And I want to say, if I can, I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are here, all the dads. Let me tell you something, the mantle that God has placed on your shoulders to be dads in these trying times, wow. You guys deserve to be celebrated. And for those of you that have raised up people like me, I'm a little bit older and my dad did a great job and one of the things that stuck out with me is the best thing that he ever gave me was faith. That he believed in me Um, and all the things that that God has allowed me to do in my life, uh, there was always my dad behind the scenes saying, you can do it, son. And so for, the, for those of you that are fathers, I applaud you. If there's anything you might take away from what I just said, just believe in your kids, you know, no matter how old they are, and just tell them um, that you're there for them and that you believe in them, and that will just carry them, trust me. So thank you, fathers, for all that you do for God's kingdom. So, yes, let's go ahead and give them a hand. So we're in week three of my series called All Things New, because Jesus makes all things new, amen? And, and the big premise of why I believe he's having me do this series is because we're starting to see really the unraveling even more so of the world around us. And there is that despair that kind of sets in, even for us as believers, right? We kind of, we kind of look at things and we're just like, oh my gosh, what's, what's happening? And And what God told me was, don't forget, I make all things new. And I want you to communicate that to your church. And so his church, but my church as far as home church and the leadership that I have here. And he wants you to know that he's making everything new. And so the very first thing that we came out and we talked about was the fact that we're a new creation in Christ. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you believe on him, place your faith in him, then you are, what the Bible says, a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And that's awesome, right? And there are days sometimes I feel like we don't feel like we're a new creation. (laughs) We feel like we're kind of stuck. And the great thing about it is that he goes on further to give us a new purpose. And I talked about that last week. The fact that we have a brand new purpose as a new creation, and that new purpose is to love God and to love people. There you have it, right? And I think we're so, we're so caught up in the actual doing the things in life, the, the callings that we want to see that what God has for us. We want to know where he's taken us. We want to know what the next step is for our life, and we get so caught up in that that we find that that becomes ultimately our purpose. And he's saying, no, 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 put that aside. No, your purpose is simply to love me and to love the people that I've placed you near. Amen? And so this week, this week what I want to talk about is what we need to have is a new attitude, church. We have, need to have a new attitude. It started with me thinking about how we need to have new thinking. And then this week as I was pathing through it, God was saying, no, 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 no. No, yeah, I think people know that they need to think like me, but ultimately what they need to know is they need to have the same attitude as me. That is so important, this new attitude. And every day, it's a battle. Every day, it's a battle to have the right attitude. And I'm going to define what that attitude is, and and I'm going to quote 
the famous singer-songwriter Patti LaBelle. I'm just tidying up my point of view. I got a new attitude. That's what we need, to tidy up our point of view and get a new attitude. And this is something that God actually gives us responsibility over. It's our responsibility to have the right thinking that's going to translate into the new attitude. Our responsibility. And too often, we allow situations, we allow our circumstances, we allow people to dictate how we think and form our attitude. It's so easy because we live in this thing called the flesh in this fallen world. And I believe the biggest battlefield is not your health, it's not whatever you're going through, the biggest battlefield is your mind, is your mind. So I'm going to give you kind of a preview of what the attitude that we need to have is, and this is Paul. Paul writes a letter to the Philippians, and we're going to be in chapter 1 and chapter 2 today uh, quite a bit if you want to turn in your Bibles there. But I'm going to begin in chapter 1. And I'm going to start in verse 21. This is Paul. While he's sitting in a Philippian jail, he writes this. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Those are awesome words. So when I'm alive, I'm in Christ. When I die, I will be with Christ. But we're in between. We're in between that right now. So he says, whether I'm living in Christ or I'm going to die and be with Christ, I am to live in the flesh, and that means fruitful labor for me. So we have fruitful labor. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So what he's saying here is whether I'm alive or I'm dead and with Jesus in heaven for all eternity, I'm in God's will. I'm going to be in God's will. And the reason why, he says here, to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. We're here for other people. He was able while in prison, while he had thorn in his side, while he was persecuted, While he was beaten, he was able to put himself aside and continue to have that attitude that I'm here for others. I'm not here for myself. And that, my friends, is where we need to be. The problem is, is as we allow situations and people in the world to start to influence our thinking, then what happens is we begin to isolate ourselves mentally. We isolate ourselves mentally Because how many of you can actually be in church, but not really be in church, if you know what I mean? Because your mind is banging with all these negative thoughts and emotions. Everything that that has been grating on you all week is still sitting in there. And you're here physically, but you're not here with the right attitude. Amen? And I'm not trying to criticize you all. I mean... I'm there. I had that moment last week 
I come in this place for Sunday and sometimes I needed to get my attitude right. It's an active thing that we're constantly having to do. So this is what I want you to, to, to say with me right now. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> Amen. It's a terrible thing to waste. And we have some control over it. And God gave us the tools. And so with that, I'm going to pray real quick. So Father, I just want to thank you so much right now for open hearts to receive, open minds, ears to hear. Because if I had a mirror up here on this stage, I would preach to myself. I thank you that you will give me the words to speak today. And then as we walk out of here, we'll see where we need to tidy up our point of view and we will have a new attitude. Father, I pray this right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'll let you in on a few things with me, and I hope maybe you can relate. And, and if you can't, then, then you're closer to God than I am. <laughs> but uh, I was uh, stranded in an airport with Lisa when we were coming back from our vacation. And thank you for all of you that have said, welcome back. You look like you're refreshed. And let me tell you something. The day we came back from our vacation was probably the day that undid all that refreshness, okay? Um, let me just tell you. So we got stranded in Dallas, and I don't even know why, although we had some, we had some thunderstorms, and as we looked at the, the flight board, we saw all these flights being canceled, and then our flight was canceled. And of course, they rebooked us on a later flight, uh, 10 hours later. So here we are stranded in this airport, and Dallas Love Field is, is good size. I mean, they've renovated it, but it's, it's small enough to where when flights are canceled and flights are coming in, but they're not leaving and people are starting to fill that airport, and it's like, like this. There is no personal space whatsoever. Uh, my attitude was being reflected in a very negative way. And here's the thing. Coming home, I decided to wear a t-shirt from Kaya. So I have the cross on the front of my shirt, and I got that butterfly and the whole Kaya thing going, and uh, Lisa, my wife, who knows me so well, looked over at me and said, remember the t-shirt you're wearing. <laughs> and what it represents, and who you are. And I'm like, yes, honey. Yes, honey. Oh, so that conviction, okay, I instantly felt convicted. And you know, God has a sense of humor because I'm, gonna, I'm only going to share you the stories on what it was like to fly uh, on the planes. But oh, I like my personal space. I really do when I travel. And, and so that kind of conviction that I instantly felt when she said that is the kind of convic conviction that we need to have on a daily basis. We need to constantly remind ourselves that I represent Jesus, not just because, Jeff, you're a pastor. No, because I'm a new creation in Christ with a new purpose that has, needs to have new thinking that forms my new attitude. That's why. And as Paul said, there, there, is, there are people out there that, that are waiting for an encounter with God, and the only one that's going to be able to help them with that encounter may very well be you. So every day, we have to have that conviction that my heart, my mind, my thinking, and my attitude need to be what Jesus' attitude is. 
And that's what I'm going to explain today. So we're going to begin again in chapter 1 of Philippians. I'm going to go further down to verse 27. Let these words, these are not my words, this is God. This is him speaking right now. So listen to this. This is what Paul says. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's heavy. Is your life right now, is it worthy? Is it worthy of the gospel of Christ? Are you walking in that manner? Do people know? They may not know exactly why there's something awesome about you, but they know something's different in a good way about you. Are you walking your life in a manner worthy of the gospel? And he said, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm. This is very important right here. Standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This is important here because what he's saying is that we as the church, we need to be of one spirit of one mind standing, striving side by side for the sake of the gospel. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. In other words, we cannot allow the fear of what's happening in this world deter us and take us away from being one mind, one spirit, striving in one accord for the gospel. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. We're going to suffer in this world. There is going to be conflict because of who we are in Christ with the new purpose and reflecting that new purpose with the new attitude. It's gonna happen, people are not gonna like it. But that's why we need to be unified as the church with this one mind and one spirit striving for the gospel. This new attitude is something we need to have and Paul goes on in chapter two, which is where we're gonna go here now, and he's going to explain exactly what that is. So beginning in verse one of chapter two, he continues, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, here's the encouragement, right? Any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. This same mind brings joy to Paul. For me as a pastor of a church, If we can get the same mind, and let me define what the mind is. The mind is thinking that forms our attitude. Our mind, if you're taking notes, our mind is thinking that forms our attitude. What Paul is saying, that if you have this mind, there's joy, there's encouragement, there is the Holy Spirit, there's affection, there's sympathy. That if we have this same mind, as a church, then my joy as a pastor, really our joy as a church will be complete. It will be complete. So what is this, this same mind, this one mind? 
He goes on in verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. In other words, whatever it is that you do in your life, whatever attitude you're carrying, it is not because you're trying to one-up somebody. It's not because you're trying to show off who you are as a person. In other words, it has nothing to do with you. So if you're doing it in those contexts where it's out of rivalry or conceit, then you don't have this mind. And he continues to define what this mind is. He says, but in humility, say humility. Humility. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Can we just land on that for a minute? The idea that I need to count others more significant than myself. That is Christ-like humility. The place that I feel it a lot is Chick-fil-A. If you need an attitude adjustment, go to Chick-fil-A. All of a sudden, the joy of the Lord is your strength in Chick-fil-A. Dude, I absolutely, I walk through those doors and I'm an OCD kind of guy. So the very first thing I see is those hand sanitizer things, you know, I love it. Okay, I get some of that. And then I get, yeah, and everybody's laughing. And I get in this line, and the line goes by pretty quick, but just enough so that you can see the glorious food on display on the menu. All right? And that nice, juicy, spicy chicken sandwich there, the number two, okay? Which is what I like. All right? You're just like, yes, praise God, hallelujah. And then you get through line, and the person that's greeting you says, hi, my name is so-and-so. How may I help you? And then if you're really cool, you get all this food and you get, the, you get the sauces and the drinks and they give you a little number or a little thing so they can bring it out to you and serve you. If you're nice and you say, thank you, they say, my pleasure. It's all about me when I go to Chick-fil-A. And let me just say on a side note, I had the most awesome spicy chicken sandwich the other day. It was perfect. It was the plumpest and it had, had additional breading around the side and spices. And, and I just have to say, I was in heaven. <laughs> and yes, Chick-fil-A is closed today. Sorry. So what I'm just saying, man, you walk in and, and you can sense them and even got praise and worship, worship music going on, instrumental, you know. It's just like, you truly feel like, and for those of you who don't like Chick-fil-A, I'm sorry, I'll pray for you after service, but it's like, I'm in heaven. And, and you get that, that new attitude sensation from those that work there. The difference is they're doing it because they're getting paid, and we have to do it because we have Jesus in us. It's a good example, Chick-fil-A, in some respects. But the point is, is that we are, let, we, we are not to only to look to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is the attitude of Jesus. Because Paul is going to explain even further. Continuing in verse 5, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. When you look at other translations, the word mind is flipped with attitude. Amplified says attitude. The mind is the attitude that we need to have. We need to have the same attitude as Jesus. And his attitude was simply this. I am selfless. I am not selfish. 
We need to be selfless. And, and I'm going to explain what that's like here in a sec because I think we get caught up in the doing. We get caught up in I got to do A, B, C, and D and then God will use me. And that's not the case. All it is is, is a mental, and I have to be careful when I say this, it's a mind adjustment. It's, it's knowing that you're a new creation with a new purpose and now I need to have a new attitude. And so he goes on to say in verse 6, he is going to discuss right here and right now the best example of having this new attitude, and that is Jesus himself. Paul says, Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That's humility. What he's saying here is, is that Jesus, not for one second, thought he was equal with God. Even though he is God. He couldn't even grasp the idea. He lowered himself. Verse 7, he says, but made himself nothing. The Son of God made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He lowered himself to the point where he became his creation. He lowered himself to where he became a servant of man. Fully God and fully man, they became in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For some of us, it's hard to even come to church on a Sunday morning. But for Jesus, his example is I'm obedient to whatever God tells me to do, even to the point where I'll go to the cross and die for everybody, even though they didn't deserve it. That's Christ-like humility. This idea that I'm willing to lay my life down for those around me. But the problem is, is we deal with our mind and our thoughts. This selfless attitude, this Christ-like humility of lowering ourselves and serving others around us and being Jesus to those around us does not come naturally. What comes to us naturally is through the fallen world. Our own sinful thoughts, our own desires, what it is that we want. As I read to you last week, the idea that the world wants you to decide what you should do. It's up to how you feel. It's what you want. These thoughts are constantly bombarding us. We have to, to fight with everything, even when we think that our thoughts are righteous. You watch the news, you look on social media, even the shows that we're watching, even the TV shows and the movies we're watching, the world is feeding you its agenda. And so for us as believers, I think what happens is we begin to get bitter. And we start to get bitter at people because they don't believe the same way we do or their actions don't line up with the word of God. And we begin to get bitter at them and then our hearts begin to close and harden towards people because what's happening is the devil just got through building a stronghold 
in your mind. Let this think in your head. Let this, let this dwell up here for a minute. If you were to go back and review everything that's happened, even since COVID, go back a couple of years and, and think about how we have been, been funneled into this thinking that, that there's no hope. Look where we are, we're at today. Look at the, the, the fact that gas prices are so high and that there's a food shortage in this world and that inflation is coming and maybe a recession. Like, we're, we're walking on this path, even as the church, and we're experiencing this absolute assault on our mind that's causing our attitude not to reflect Jesus to the world. And that's something we all have to individually self-examine ourselves for. We just do. Because once we're saved, listen, yes, the devil cares if you're saved. Absolutely, that's why there are so many people that are not saved right now. There's a war for people's eternal salvation. And we're on the front lines of that as the church. But I think even more satisfying to the enemy is whether or not it can build a stronghold in your mind to keep you from reflecting Jesus to the world around you. And the reason why I know that is because Paul writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and that's where I want you to turn right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul writes about this, and this is where I believe our battles are the greatest, if I can get to it. That's what he said, beginning in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, are we in the flesh right now? Are we walking in the flesh? This is not a carnal type thinking. No, this is just the fact that I'm here on this ball of dirt, in this dirt suit. I'm literally walking in the flesh right now. I am, as Paul said, to live is Christ. What I just read in Philippians chapter 1. I'm alive, I'm in Christ, and now it's time to be him to the world around me. So for though we walk in the flesh, the devil hates that. The fact that we're spirit-filled believers that are walking on this earth right now that has a purpose and that if we know what that new purpose is and we know how to adjust our attitude, we're going to become dangerous to the gates of hell. You know that. So though we walk in the flesh, here we go. We're now on the battlefield. Paul says we are not waging war according to the flesh. In other words, my natural self will not be able to stand against the assault on my brain by the devil. It just won't be able to work. I can't overpower the devil with my flesh. I can't stop what's coming at me in my brain with my flesh. Because if you try to, you will fail. So then how? He says in verse four, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, 
And I love Paul because he's being very specific and really trying to drive it home. This battle, the biggest battle of your life that you're facing right now, the assault on your brain is not going to be won by anything but weapons with divine power. Because he says this, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. This is going to come from God. This comes from the Holy Spirit. This is why we talk a lot about being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why we need to have the power of God on our side. Because if this is the biggest battle that we face as we walk out our life following Jesus, if the mind is the biggest battle, the mind being thoughts that form my attitude, being the biggest battle that I'll ever face, be the biggest thing that could potentially keep me from reaching people for God, then I'm going to need everything God has to fight this battle. And this is what we do with these strongholds. We destroy them. What is a stronghold? I alluded to it it earlier. It's one thought that builds upon another thought that builds upon another thought that builds upon another thought that forms your attitude. Saw it on the news. I see it in social media. My friends are talking about it at work around the water cooler. Boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, bitterness, hopelessness. A stronghold forms. And then all of a sudden, you're locked. And then those thoughts, because you have a stronghold, which basically is like a wall around your brain, which is around your heart, those thoughts begin to bang around. And bang around, and bang around. And then the devil has you exactly where he wants you. We need to wake up. Because in verse 5, this is what we need to do. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Because everything that's coming at you right now that is not of God needs to be destroyed. Everything. So what is it? It's an argument. The world is arguing with God right now. A lofty opinion. You know what a lofty opinion is? A lofty opinion is, is, is somebody that's militantly voicing an opinion because they know they're right. And if you don't agree with them, then you, they don't want nothing to do with you. These arguments, because as we're hearing them being piped to us, then you can feel the spirit in us like getting uncomfortable. And it's like what God has done in you as the new creation is arguing with the world. Even though you may not be verbally doing it, it's, you can feel that tension. And these lofty opinions, they're raised against God, which means they're raised against us, the church. And we need to take, as he goes on, every thought 
captive to obey Christ. Every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought captive to obey Christ. How do we do that? We do that with the Word. I don't know how else to say this because I think we kind of trivialize this, our time that we spend in the Word. You hear people say it. You've heard, heard me say it. Hey, you got to spend every day in the Word. What does that mean? You know, you know what my attitude is now when I go to the Bible and what it's been is this is me going to war against the enemy right here. This is me having to build up the arsenal so that when this stuff comes at me, that I don't have strongholds developed in my mind to where it keeps me ineffective for God's kingdom. This is so important. And you know what? You don't even have to read a lot of it every day to get something that you can place here to stand against what the world is saying out there. Just a little bit every day. And so I know I've told you, hey, spend 10 minutes a day just being alone with Jesus, just being quiet, quiet yourself down, get alone, spend 10 minutes and let him speak to you. And I'm gonna say, if you even spend 15 to 20 minutes just reading his word and start building up that arsenal, the weapons of your warfare that have divine power. It's not just reading, but it's getting it here. And then it's taking a moment, if you have to do an attitude adjustment to tidy up your point of view, to actually speak it, to meditate on it. Because without this, we will lose. And yes, we may be born again, and we have a home in heaven with Jesus, but then we won't be effective for his kingdom. And folks, God has got me on a path right now because I've been doing some self-examination myself. Again, I need to be, I'm preaching all this to me. If I had a mirror up here, I'd be saying it to me, all right? Pastor Elijah did that last week at youth. It was very effective. Yes, very effective. But he's got me on this path right now to where, where what I want to do here in the very near future is to give you a very clear definition of what it means to be in the church today. Super clear. And it all has to start with here. New thinking that, divine, that basically starts a new attitude and you do that through your time in the Word. So what is it that we need to be thinking? What is it that we should be doing? And Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4. If you want to turn it to verse 8, of chapter 4, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is godly, whatever is about Jesus, whatever it's about what he has for you to do, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. These are the things that we need to think about. 
And he goes on to define what these things are even further. He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What helps us to keep our mind grounded in the things of God is seeing others do the things of God. Because your attitude is contagious. Our attitudes are contagious. What I've learned is my responsibility is to take care of this. See, I don't want you leaving here today thinking, well, I'm going to go home and, and uh, I'm going to start thinking about ways that I can be Jesus to people around me. Or when I go out and I'm on the streets and I see this beautiful little old lady trying to get across the street, then I'm going to help her across the street. Or when I go to the store and I see that the cashier that's checking me out is uh, having a bad day, I can just tell, I can feel it, that I'm just going to speak words of encouragement to her. That's not what I'm saying. My responsibility is that connection time with Jesus and then meditating on his word and spending time building up that arsenal so that there's not a stronghold of bitterness and resentment that forms in my mind. And if you do that, what happens as you're going through life, as you're going through your day, God's going to bring people to you. What I've realized is, is my time here and my time here is like a magnet. That's because people can sense that attitude. What Paul is saying in chapter four, the, the verses I just read you is, is, is follow what I do. Because if you do, then, then it's like a magnet. The Holy Spirit's just gonna draw people to you. And then you'll know, you'll know what to do in that moment. The more that I try to put some kind of process to it, the less that I see God using me in that way with people. And I can give you examples, and I've given them before here, and I'm not gonna belabor you with testimony after testimony, but I can tell you the more that I'm just going through life and I'm spending time in, in the Word, I'm spending time being with Jesus, I'm spending time listening to worship music, I'm just spending time just taking this and making sure that it's lined up with God and not with this world, then the more what I start noticing is people just coming to me out of nowhere. And then I just know by the power of the Holy Spirit what to do in that moment. So what I'm saying here, it's not about trying to figure out what your day is going to look like, but what is going to happen is what I need you to do, what I think God is asking you to do, is to simply focus more on his word and start building up that arsenal in your mind and start spending more time with him so that he will draw people to you. Because here we go in Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26, it's the last verse today. Verse 3, Isaiah writes, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. 
If you're seeking peace from those thoughts that are banging around in your head, then take your mind and stay it on God. Now, will you feel better immediately? Will that bitterness, that resentment, whatever it is that you're feeling go away immediately? No. It's a process. That's why Paul says to take every thought captive to obey Christ. It's a process. It's a process that you and I will be going through up until the day we are called to heaven. So what do we do with that? I'm going to give you three things quickly as to what you can do. What I am doing myself. The very first thing, when I get up in the morning, when I wake up, I'm giving my mind to Jesus. Here it is. But I cannot go my day and have your attitude if you don't help me. Here's my mind. Take it. Help me to defend it when the thoughts come from the world. Help me to not allow strongholds to stand because I want your attitude of selfless humility. That's what I want. If I'm gonna serve the church that you've given me, if I'm gonna serve those that are around me outside my home, whether it's my neighbor or whoever I encounter in the world, then I need you. So take it. The second thing that you should do that I'm doing is just spend a few minutes in this. And whatever you read, let there be something in there that you can memorize and allow it to be that go-to whenever a worldly thought comes your way. And then the third thing is it's not just about the morning where I give my mind to Jesus. Now what I'm realizing is it's something that I have to do multiple times during the day. It's not just a one and done kind of thing, but it's a constant fight. It is. It's a constant battle and something that I believe that is extremely important because what's gonna happen is you're gonna give your mind to Jesus. You're gonna actively say that, you're gonna do that and then the devil's gonna know that you're ready to engage him in battle and so he's gonna bring challenges all day to you. It's going to happen, whether it's through media or through people. And like I said, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. It's our responsibility to make that stand. It's so important as a new creation in Christ who has a new purpose. It's so important that we also have the new attitude because if we have that new attitude, then what's going to happen is God is going to use you to do new things. And what I'm going to talk about next Sunday to wrap this up is about our new community. This is community here. But ultimately, that new community are people that you spend time with that don't even come here. And if we can't get that new attitude correct, if we can't line it up with Jesus and his attitude and his humility, then we will never reach that new community that God has placed us in. And that's the most important calling you'll ever have.